does church really matter? And that's what we've been looking at these last couple weeks. And we begin with the idea that Jesus says he's going to build his church on the statement that he is the Son of God, the Messiah, the one that we've been hoping for. And then last week, we got into the idea of being connected to the body. And as we think about discipleship around here, as we think about formation around here, what it means to grow in our faith, we have a little cheat sheet. Maybe you've seen it around. It's this triangle that we have. And we base this off the idea of in John 10.10, 10, Jesus has a statement. It's a pretty bold statement. It says, He's come so that we may have life. And depending on your translation, it could be abundantly or have a full life or have a complete life. And yes, he is talking about what happens when we get to heaven, but he's not talking only about that. He's talking about how do we live this life right here. And we believe that the New Testament teaches, the scriptures teach that it's found in Christ, this abundant life is found in Christ. It's found in this community with one another. And it's living out the mission, the God-designed mission for you. And there is where there's a life that is not promised to be easy. It's not a promise that's going to be simple. It's certainly not a promise that's going to be comfortable. But it is a life that if you were to run this race live this life, be invited into this type of existence, at the end of your life, you would have no regrets because of what Jesus is promising with this life. And so last week, uh, we began working our way around this, this triangle, and we've been going into 1 Corinthians, and we'll get there in just a second. But there, in a part of Scripture that's very familiar to many of us, as I was searching and preparing and studying for this series, I discovered it once again, and all parts of this triangle are found in this passage. And so we're going to live out of this passage for the entirety of this, this series. And last week we talked about being connected to the body, and you'll hear that language again when we get back into the Scripture. But it's this idea of are you connected, and, it, and we looked at with one another, are we tied together? Not just do we come and say hi to each other, but are we functioning like a body part that if I'm cut off from the body, if I'm separated from the body, I begin a process of withering and dying. Does church really matter? And so last week we did something very unique. At the end of the message, I asked the question, are you in or not? And that served two purposes. One to ask you to declare, are you connected into the body? And the other part was to help us as we're emerging from COVID, we're still trying to assess where we are. That's what the elders are doing. That's what the ministers are doing. We're trying to figure out who's still connected. Where do we need to deploy our resources? Where do we need to be reaching out, out to folks? And so I put up a text message. It was this this phone number, and just said, give us your name, and if you're in or not. And I knew that many, many of you would be in. What we weren't anticipating was those of us that have our phones tied to this text number, our phones blew up. I mean, it was this really cool moment, and we thought, man, we could have captured this. But they just started scrolling, scrolling through, people saying, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in, I'm connected, I'm con or I want to be connected, count me in. 
And so that was incredible. So I'm going to give you another opportunity. If you've already done it, thank you. If you still, because you didn't miss the sermon last week or you didn't hear about this, I would like you to have an opportunity to do this again. If you will simply text your name with I'm in, we're still receiving those because what we're doing is we're trying to take account of where we are as we begin to dream and see where God's leading us into the future. So I invite you to do that right now if you've got a chance. Just your name, I'm in, texted that phone number, send that in. That's very helpful to us. And I just want to tell you, it was so encouraging just to see those come in. And some of you were putting a little additional messages um, to me. Hey, Scott, count me in. And it was just really, really encouraging to see that, that at work. And I want you to be encouraged by that. I'm sorry we all didn't experience that. Next time, we'll blow your phone up, okay? We'll figure out a way to to make that happen, but it was definitely encouraging. So what I want to do is today, I'm going to dive back into where we've been, the same scripture, and I want to talk more about this part of the triangle that says, on mission. And the fact that you were designed and you've been given gifts that God has placed you and placed you here. And I want you to see that in Scripture. Not just take my word for it, but I want you to see it in Scripture. So if you have your Bibles, open to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, please. 1 Corinthians is a letter that we have. Now, maybe you've heard the author's name's Paul. You may know him as the Apostle Paul. He wrote the majority of what we have in the New Testament. Anytime we have a letter by him, maybe you've heard the word epistle. That's just the fancy word for it's a letter where he's writing to local churches that he had a part in helping establish or encourage or preached at. And what he's doing is he's encouraging very specifically the members of those churches in specific ways by giving them a vision of what it means to be church. And so... I'm going to start reading in verse 12, and this is a longer passage than I typically read. But we're going to read this passage each week because I want you to be experiencing this passage. I want you to hear it, so it's not just my words, but it's words that we believe are inspired by God. And each week we'll hear those, and then I want you, in your quiet time, in your time of study throughout the week, I want you to be reflecting on on these. At the end of the message today, I'm going to have a couple questions for you that I want you to wrestle with this week. So the words of Paul from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to start in verse 12. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the body parts... The parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. The parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. 
and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. All Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have the gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. And I want us to hear that each time because as I prep for today, I read over that and over that and I thought, okay, how are we going to talk about this today, this idea of we've been given gifts. And that's what the context of this whole idea is. And I tell you, I worked really hard on this, trying to make it more complicated than it is. Okay, we're going to come close to Byron's wish today. This isn't going to be long. This is going to be straightforward. In fact, when I get done, you're going to go, I could have come up with that. Because it's simply going to be what Scripture teaches. And Scripture on this one is just really clear. The problem is, I don't think we adopt this enough. I don't think we incorporate this teaching enough into our lives and the lives of the church. But in this context, and what Paul is doing, and when he writes this church, he's trying to convince everybody that, that there are gifts that have been given. He begins chapter 12. If you want to go back and read it, you can. There's a part of chapter 12 where he begins, and he says, The Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit has given gifts to the church and he's placed these gifts in each one of us and so when he gets to the part about describing the body what he's talking about is we've all been given different gifts and your gift functions different in the body than my gift and and each person's functions differently but it takes all the gifts together so two takeaways two questions for you here's takeaway number one you have been given gifts. I told you this isn't complicated, right? The problem is, most of us don't believe this, right? Scripture teaches, Paul is saying, that you, if you are a follower of Jesus, you've given your life to him in baptism, the Holy Spirit is at work in you, and you now have been given gifts You may not realize you've been given gifts, but you have been given certain gifts. You may think these are just natural talents. They're not. They may come across that way. But there is something supernatural at work in the life of the believer and in the life of the church. The Holy Spirit is at work, and gifts have been distributed. And so every time somebody comes to this church and they want to be a part of this church, they bring gifts with them. And therefore, not only are, do they bring gifts, they are a gift from the church. And this is the part where churches, I'm going to confess, we probably haven't done a great job at. Because anytime somebody new comes our direction, we probably need to be asking the question, wow, 
What gifts do we need that they're bringing with us because God is supplying us with some more gifts all of a sudden? He has given us a resource that we didn't have before to complete the mission. He is adding something to us that we need to be paying attention to. You have gifts and you've been and you are a gift. Now, there, the scripture lists many of what these gifts are. You may not even be aware of what some of the gifts are. I've got a list up here. This is not comprehensive, but gifts like administration. You know, at some point you gotta have a list, you gotta figure things out. And some of you are very uh, gifted at that. This idea of how, how do you get it organized? You know, it's like the old joke. I don't like organized re- religion. Well, come to my church. We're about as disorganized as you can get at times. But the church needs organization. It needs that gift of, of administration. And, and here's one. The scripture actually teaches about craftsmanship. Some of you have a gift of working with your hands, and you can make things, create things, fix things, build things. That's an incredible gift. Can you see how that kind of gift would play out as we try to reach a community and try to care for one another? Evangelism. Sandy Deathridge is leading a class right now on how do you go about sharing what God's doing in your life, your story, and the story of what Jesus is doing to reach others. And they're already beginning to pray and prepare to be reaching those that, that are students in schools and, and people that don't even necessarily speak English as their first language. But the gift of evangelism, that, that heartache, that, that burden for somebody that does not yet know Jesus. Exhortation, faith, giving. Some of you have been blessed financially and you're just very sharp with what to do with money. And so you've been placed in a position where you have a gift to give and to bless, and not only that, but to help others figure out their finances. Here's the second list. All these, these are just, I just put them in alphabetical order. Hospitality. I mean, think of the gifts of hospitality. Uh, Don and Larry Lavelle model this one incredibly. I mean, if I was to survey who hasn't, hasn't been to their house, everybody's, you know, stayed there somehow, like 14 people at a time. I mean, they're always having people over. What a blessing. What an incredible gift that is. Some of you have the gift of mercy. You know, now, think about that. In today's world, how powerful is the gift of mercy? The, the gift to have compassion. And in a world where it seems like it's filled with rage and anger and bitterness and fighting between whatever side of the issue you happen to be on, for somebody with a gift, a supernatural gift, to step into that and speak mercy into that situation. Boy, we could use that. The gift of shepherding, the gift of service, the gift of teaching, opening up God's uh, God's Word. I I think this is the gift that that I've been given, is teaching. In fact, I, I take it very... Um, very personal and very close to my heart when after I get through with a sermon, many of you will come up and you'll encourage me and you'll say, that spoke to me or that meant something to me or thank you for, for that message. I needed to hear that. I, I, I appreciate what you're doing there, but I also hear to saying, we see that gift in you. We see that there's a gift at work. Now, I'm a one-trick pony, that's it. You know, so, but I'll take that one. And it's not because what I do is far more important than anybody else's gift. It's just the one that I've been given. 
and the one that, where God uses it and supernaturally works, works through that. So there's all of these gifts, and, and I want you to begin the process of thinking, which ones are yours? And again, this isn't a comprehensive list. Now, I do want to help you out. There's some things that are not gifts. Let me help you out. These are not spiritual gifts right here. Complaining, criticizing, and griping. <laughs> some of you think they're gifts. They're not gifts. Okay? You're never going to find the gift of discouragement in the New Testament. Okay? But you've been given a gift or gifts. And so, the first question, the first takeaway is, you've been given a gift. Now, the second one is this. Here's takeaway number two. You need to share your gifts. Again, I told you, this isn't complicated. But this is just coming straight from Scripture. This is what Paul's saying. The body, if the body's going to be healthy, then all the gifts are contributing and do their part. This is what he means by the foot, you know, doesn't get to walk off on its own. You know, the head doesn't get to look at the foot and say, well, you're not near as important to me because the head doesn't get to go anywhere without the foot. You know, but all the body has to come together. Parts of your body don't go on strike. Have you noticed that? And, and in fact, if, if they do, if some part gets out of whack and there's something that's abnormal there, we usually go in and call it a disease and try to treat it. So the question is, are you going to share your gifts? Do you see it as a responsibility as a follower of Jesus Christ to share your gifts? Because if you've been given gifts, there is a real spiritual reality that you're as a, if you're a part of this, whatever church you're a part of, if you're a part of this one, the local body of Christ right here that meets and calls itself Western Hills, and if you're a part of this, then you're a gift to this church. You bring gifts to this church. Are you sharing them? Now, we may not have made it easy for you, I guarantee you, because sometimes we get in the way of ourselves. But that's not an excuse to not keep saying, hey, I think I've got a gift here. I, I, I think I can share it in my small group. I, I think I can share it in student ministry. Uh, I think I can share it with part of the love one another ministry. I, I think I can gather a group of young moms around me and I can minister in a certain way. What, whatever that gift is, are you sharing it? Because this is the part where I think we fall sort of asleep at the wheel, maybe, when it comes to this idea of does church matter? Because church was never, never intended to be a spectator sport. It was always described as a body. And in fact, if you read through your New Testament, anytime... Anytime Paul uses a sports analogy, and he does use sports analogies, anybody that's a part of the church, they're on the field, not in the stands. And so the question is, are you sharing your gifts? Now, it's really easy to fall into a lie that we talked about last week of, you don't need me. My gifts aren't valuable enough. And I'm just telling you, there's nothing true about that. If you've been given a supernatural gift by God, we're not going to come along and say that's not valuable. And, and you may feel limited in what you can do. But I fully believe if you are still using oxygen on the planet, God's got a purpose for you.
I have shared many, many times about one of my heroes, Jane Lee. Jane Lee was fierce. She lived most of her life with her husband. They were missionaries. After he passed away, Jane Lee was back here. And so the time that I knew Jane Lee is she was already back here and a member of this church had come off the mission field. And Jane Lee was about as wide as a broomstick. But she wasn't frail at all. And she would grab me every Sunday and she'd say, I was up praying for you today. And when she means up, she means 4 a.m. up praying for you. And she was exercising. She had the gift and the burden of evangelism. And she, she wanted, and the gift of prayer. And she wanted people to hear the message that she believed God was going to deliver that day. And so I can tell you every Sunday when she grabbed me and she'd tell me that, I was like, yes, ma'am. And then God did something inside of me. Because Jane Lee had begun praying long before I even woke up. And I knew that God was going to listen to that. Art, you need to share your gifts. See, the struggle is that we don't. And I'd like to kind of give you sort of maybe the God, you know, if you use our imagination, give the God perspective on it just for a second. Imagine if you had some children, even if you don't, that's okay, you can play along and imagine this. And, and you planned them a birthday party. Now, back in my day, when I was the recipient of birthday, birthday parties, the highest thing a parent could do, the most important thing a parent could do is make sure that your child had a birthday party at McDonald's. Okay, is that still a thing? Because at McDonald's, they always had that orange punch that burned going down. You knew it was good, you know, because it burned going down. So imagine you're, you want to be a good parent, so you're planning your kid's birthday party at McDonald's or whatever is important these days. And you've invited their friends, and you've got the cake, and you've got the invitations and the balloons, and it's all laid out because you're going to celebrate your child. And all their friends come, and they all come in with wrapped, shiny, incredible presents and gifts. And they gather around, and we sing happy birthday, and we celebrate the moment, and the candles are blown out, and the cake is served, and the punch that burns going down, we're consuming it left and right. And then at the very end, we say, okay, now it's time for the parents. All the kids look and go, I'm going to take mine home. Because I know what's in here. It's a Nerf gun. And it's going home with me. Or this is a remote control car. It's going home with me. And, suddenly, and one by one, all the kids take their presents home. Now, as a parent, you're going to be like, okay, something went off the rails here. And not only that, you're probably going to have to console your crying child at that, you know, at that moment. Now, it's a little goofy, I admit. But just for a second, can we step into God's perspective? And He provides gifts to you to give to the church as we come together to celebrate His Son. And then we choose to walk out with them. I don't tell you that illustration to try to put you guilt on you. That's not my goal. I do share it as an idea to see it from God's perspective 
of how much God believes in you that he would invite you to come together, celebrate his son, and give you gifts to make the party come all together. And there's something that we need in that. So this week, here's my takeaway. Here's my challenge, my call to action, if you would. I have two questions for you. If you want to take a picture of the screen or you want to write these down, I want you to spend some time this week wrestling with these questions. And maybe you've already thought about these. But for many of us, it may be the very first time that you've wrestled with this. Question number one, simply this. What spiritual gifts have you been given? Which ones do you feel like you're being led that that's something that you've been equipped with? And that's going to come from two ways. One is you're going to kind of have a sense of the things that burden you, that you have a passion for, that God has shaped in you. And the other way is what you hear from the community of faith that you're around. Your small group, people will affirm the gifts they see in you. If they seem to come to you for wisdom and discernment a lot, you probably have a spiritual gift there. If they come to you for administration, you probably have a spiritual gift. They come to you for hospitality. You're going to see that affirmed. So I want you to have some time identifying those gifts because as you get a clear picture of them, you may lead you in some ways that God can utilize you. Second one's this. How are you sharing your gifts with this church? How are you sharing your gifts with this church? What are the ways? What... Which ways are you blessing your small group? Which ways are you blessing your age group? Which ways are you blessing our worship together? Which ways are you blessing children in this church? Which ways are you blessing those that, that uh, uh, aren't economically as advantaged as we, some of us are? What are the ways? How, how are you sharing those? Because you've been shaped and created for that to live out a mission. And, and here's what I think is so important about this. Just imagine for a second. Imagine the difference we would make in this community, in this part of the state, if we all, all of those that claim to follow Jesus and be connected into this body here that says, I'm in, if we all gathered and we became a place where all of our gifts, the, the resources and gifts that God is trying to bless this with, if we move from whatever we're using now, 10, 20%, up to 100%, and we let all these different manifestations of the gifts of the Spirit come out to where we're blessing those, we're encouraging each other, we're serving one another, we're ministering, and we're reaching out to the community. Can you begin to imagine the impact it would have both on this church, but more importantly, on the community. We started the series by looking at the fact that Jesus said the gates of hell cannot stand against the church. I fully believe this is what he meant. That he was going to resource the church through you with incredible supernatural gifts and collectively as we were his body in this time and this place to this community, it would be unstoppable. Does the church really matter? Yes, it does. That's why your gifts matter. And you sharing your gifts matter. So I'm going to leave you with those two questions. If you would, let me pray for us, please.
Heavenly Father, may we become a manifestation of your body in this place. May you awaken in each of us a realization of what our gifts are and a passion to pursue them, Father. Father, I believe that you have resourced Western Hills with all of the gifts that we need to change this community. So, Father, may we have an understanding of that. May we see that the way that you see that. And may we unleash those gifts that come from you to serve you, to glorify you, and to make your name famous in this area. Father, I pray for anyone that thinks, well, I don't matter. That you would, this week, as they reflect on what gifts you've given them, would you reveal that to them? Would you do a supernatural work in their life and show them the importance of the gift that you've given? And why it matters that it be shared. Father, help us to do all this. Not so that our name is great, not so that, that we become famous, so that the name of Jesus is lifted up in this place and the image of Jesus is seen in this place. And that you will receive all the glory for it. In the name of Jesus I pray, amen.